Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the week five preview, Colts, Browns, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. And we have two three-in-one teams meeting who both lost week one matching up here in week four you have the browns they started off the loss to the ravens not a bad loss well they got killed in that game but not a bad loss in terms of quality opponent in the baltimore ravens they rallied off three straight wins since colts start off on a road loss to the jaguars terrible loss bounce back three consecutive wins the last three weeks so now we have two teams that are both three and one in this week four matchup and jason you look at the cleveland browns and you look at a team that has a lot of talent, and we knew they had a lot of talent last year. They fell extremely short of expectations, and we knew at the time that Freddie Kitchens was arguably the worst coach in the National Football League last year. There's a couple other guys up there, Bill O'Brien, Adam Gaze, all guys who are on the hot seat this year or have already been fired like Bill O'Brien last week. But Jesus, now you look at this Browns team clicking on all cylinders, scoring 30-plus points in three consecutive games. They have the fourth highest rated offense in terms of points per game in the National Football League. And you say, geez, how bad was Freddie Kitchens? Because we knew he was bad last year. And now this is making him look even worse than we ever thought. Yeah, he was terrible. And he definitely, he certainly didn't help any of their players develop. And they didn't win any games. So, I mean, it was a Browns hire from the beginning. And it didn't pan out. And now they've got a guy in there, Stefanski, who looks like he's He's doing he's doing a good job and and maybe they found their guy. I mean, after about nine thousand coaches, uh, maybe this is the guy for them. But they certainly are playing well right now, and the Colts are going to need to play well to beat them. Yeah, and I remember at the time I never understood the Freddie Kitchens hire. You have at the time maybe the worst coach in the National Football League, at least record wise, in Hugh Jackson. So then you go deep into his staff and you make the running back coach the head coach off Jackson's staff because your 22-year-old quarterback wanted him to be the head coach. I thought it was an absolute bizarre set of circumstances, but that's the Browns for you. But this is not a normal Brown team. You think about the Cleveland Browns, haven't made the playoffs since 2002. That is 18 seasons without playoff football and not a Super Bowl run or an AFC championship, not even making the playoffs. But this is a team that is loaded with talent. You have Garrett on the defensive side of the ball. You have Odell. You have Landry. You have Kareem Hunt. I mean, they are loaded with talent. And we'll start off on the offensive side of the ball. That's what's been winning games for the Browns this season. Fourth in points. They've scored 30-plus now in three consecutive games. The last time the Browns did that, I forgot the exact year, but you have to go back to the 1960s. The Colts still had 15-plus seasons left in Baltimore before the last time the Cleveland Browns scored 30-plus points in three consecutive games. I think it was something like 1966 or 1968. It was in that ballpark, but that's a long time without stringing a couple games together of scoring 30-plus. But they're clicking on all cylinders right now. Now, you have Odell, you have Landry. I know, Jason, you're going to go through all the players. They will be missing Nick Chubb this week, but they replace him with Kareem Hunt, who has 275 yards on 50 carries, already scored three touchdowns in four games, averaging 5.5 yards 
per carry and then has eight receptions for 42 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So five touchdowns in four games. You'll lose a star back in Chubb and you replace him with another star back. And we all remember how good he was in Kansas City before he got into his trials and tribulations off the field in Kareem Hunt as this Cleveland Brown offense comes rolling in to this week five matchup. Yeah, and Kareem Hunt's a great place to start. I'm glad you mentioned him as the as pretty much the the guy that we need to slow down because their running game is has been above and beyond the best in the league through the first four games. And I think that the key to this game is going to be stopping him. And yes, they have guys all over the field, and I'll go through some of their talent. But I really believe the key to winning the game is making Baker Mayfield throw. But at, at wide receiver, you got two really really good players. I mean, Odell's one of the best in the league, 16 receptions, 236 yards, three touchdowns. And you got Jarvis Landry, who's also a very talented receiver, 17 receptions, 191 yards, and a touchdown pass who, I mean, last week that pass to, to Odell, that was a hell of a throw. So he, he's, a, he's a talented player. And then you got tight end Austin Hooper, who came over from Atlanta, 12 receptions, 96 yards, and a touchdown. And then the guy, the trigger man for them, young Baker Mayfield, 72 for 115, 729 yards, seven touchdowns, only two interceptions, but only 6.8 yards per attempt. So that's not great for him. That's a stat that everybody kind of looks at. Not great for him. He does get a, a, one of his weapons back and tight end David Njoku comes back this week. So he's going to be, he's going to have all his weapons except for Chubb. So, and, and also I, I have to mention the Cleveland offensive line, very, very good run blocking team. So the Colts are really going to have to bring it on defense, and I expect that they will. Yep, but let's jump into our keys to the game for the Colts' defense, taking on this high-powered, all of a sudden, Cleveland Brown offense. And key number one, stop the run, Jason. You just talked about it. They are the number one rushing team in the NFL. Even without Nick Chubb, you replace him with another great running back in Kareem Hunt, who has been phenomenal through the first four games. Key number one to this Colts' defense this week, stopping the run. A hundred percent that this game, you know, is especially with this offense, everything they do is predicated on running the ball. It opens up. I mean, and, and really, and you look at any offense, obviously being able to be multidimensional and creative within is a huge part of, of having a successful offense. So for us, stopping the run and making them one dimensional is huge this week against the Browns because Baker Mayfield is not and has not developed into what they thought he would be. He's okay, but I would much rather make him beat us than than allowing you know Kareem Hunt to beat us. So key number one, 100%, is stopping the run. Key number two basically plays into key number one. You do key number one, you'll get key number two. And key number two is get Cleveland behind the chains, put them in passing downs, passing situations where you dare Baker Mayfield to beat you with his arm. And you said it before, Jason, he's only averaging 6.8 yards per passing attempt. So if you get them behind the chains and you make him throw and you put the ball on his arm, it's going to be tough for them to move the ball the way they've been moving the ball the past couple weeks. Definitely. And so, you know, like you said, it goes hand in hand with, with the, with key number one, which, which is stopping the run. You definitely want to get them in long yardage situations because you want to put the pressure on Baker. You want to make him feel the pressure, not only from our defense, but from, you know, just the mental pressure of knowing, okay, I've got to make a play and that can turn into interceptions and, and sacks and all kinds of other things. So definitely getting them behind the chains 
with stopping the run and being able to, to get them in long yardage situations will lead to, I think, advantageous situations for the Colts defense. Yep, but again, key number three, all three really play into each other. Get off the field on third down. So if you stop the run early, then you put Baker in must-pass situations, then you got to get off the field on third down. So keys one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. They all play into each other defensively for the Colts on Sunday. No question. Just getting off the field on third down is always important, but especially important this week against this team, not allowing them to continue drives. Because when you can run the ball and do those different things, not only does it move the ball, but it also eats time off the clock. And we don't have an offense that I believe is going to be great coming from behind with the quarterback that we have and the offense that we run and the injuries that we have. So getting off the field on third down is super important because we want to possess the ball and be able to do what we want to do on offense. Let's flip over to the Cleveland defense, who is 27th in points allowed. So the opposite of the Cleveland offense, they have been extremely efficient scoring points, but they've been winning shootout games. You look at that game last week, it looked like Texas Tech-Oklahoma with the score of that game. They've been putting up so many points, but they've also been giving up so many points. And Jason, before we even get into the keys to the game and this Cleveland defense, I think this is an interesting opportunity for the Colts, who we do come into this game with the number one defense, but let's say this is a game where the Browns do score on us, and they put up 30, and we find a way to win this game, let's say 33-30 to 30 or something like that, and we win a high-scoring game. That's a great sign. Of course, we don't want that. We don't want to give up points. I want to see this defense continue to roll and put teams away and just really suffocate teams the way we've been doing that. But it would be really interesting to see Rivers and this offense score a couple touchdowns, put up a lot of points, and win a game where the defense doesn't hold the team to three points until the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter. Because I think that's a sign of a great team where you could adapt and adjust to different teams. Like last week we played a team who now improves, and I know everybody last week, oh, the Bears play a cupcake schedule. They haven't played anybody, and that's why they were 3-0. and And then we beat them, and everybody wants to discredit the Colts' win. And then last night they go out and they beat Tom Brady and the Bucks, who won three straight games. So I don't know how many times people can move the goalposts, but you look at that win against the Bears last week. The Bears are 4-0 in games they don't play the Colts. And this is the NFL where there are no easy wins. To go 4-0 or to win four games, it's not easy to do in this league. So I think the Colts deserve more credit than they received from last week's game against the Bears, last week's win against the Chicago Bears. And I just think it would be interesting this week if the Colts were able to squeak out a higher scoring game because great teams are able to win games in multiple different ways. And we've seen the Colts already win the game where the offense kind of manages the game and the defense really dominates the game and it leads to a win for the Colts. We've seen that now really three weeks in a row. So I think it'd be fascinating if the Colts could do it now in reverse, because then you're looking at a team where it's like, wow, they could win in multiple different ways. They're not a one-trick pony where they have to hold the team under 20 points to be able to win. And they could win with the offense, they could win with the defense, and they have a solid special teams unit that's clearly improved from 2019. That's a sign of a great team, Luke, being able to win in different ways, and, and I, that's a great point. I'll be interested to see because I don't think the Colts' defense, as good as they are, are is going to be as effective in theory, against this offense because it's just got so much talent. Now, I could be wrong. They could come out and they could play like they did, you know, in Kansas City last year and shock me and hold them to like six points or something crazy like that. 
and I would be shocked because this is a, an offense that is extremely talented. But with that said, I do think Cleveland's going to score, and I think it's going to be a, a great test, like you said, of how our offense is going to respond in a game like this. Because in general, I think everybody understands that great teams win in multiple ways. They win low-scoring games. They win high-scoring games. They figure it out. They find a way. That's what good teams do. So I think this is a great test. I think the Bears game was a great test, and I think this is a great test. So uh, definitely going to find out a lot about this team on Sunday, especially with the injuries that we have. If we can somehow persevere and get through those injuries and find a way to beat this team, I think this could be a really, really special season for this team. Yeah, and then if you go out and the defense suffocates them and we play the way we've played defensively the past three weeks, then you start to say, wow, everybody who is saying, oh, the Colts haven't played any offenses yet are 1,000% wrong because it doesn't seem to matter because then that would be three games or four games now in a row and you'd be playing a team who's been putting up 30-plus points religiously the last three weeks in the Browns. So this is going to be a big game, but let's get into, before we get into predictions and all that, this Cleveland Brown defense, clearly not the reason why they've been winning games, but they have a blue-chip premier player in Miles Garrett who can wreck a game, 11 tackles, six quarterback hits, five sacks, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, two tackles for loss. That sounds like the Cleveland Browns defensive line stats. And that's because he essentially is the Cleveland Browns defensive line, and he essentially is the entire Cleveland Browns defense. You take him off their defense, and they got almost nothing. Miles Garrett's going to be a guy the Colts are going to have to stop. That will be a critical player to know where he is at all times in this game, and the Colts will be without Anthony Costanzo. Our 22-game consecutive streak of Costanzo, Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski, Smith, including playoffs dating back to 2018, that line protected Andrew Luck, that line protected Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, and Phillip Rivers in that 22-game streak. We had those five offensive linemen protect four different starting quarterbacks. It was by far the longest streak in the National Football League, like three times the length of the second longest streak in the NFL. And unfortunately, it will come to an end this week against one of the best defensive ends in the National Football League, a former first overall pick in Miles Garrett. And it is going to be vital that the Colts send help to LaRaven Clark. Jason, we talked about it all offseason. One of our biggest issues with this roster, especially because you go back to last year, we had 16 starts. We didn't miss a start from our offensive line. We knew that at some point somebody's going to go down, whether it be a game, a game or two, a month. You hope that it ends after this and we get them the rest of the way. But Anthony Costanza goes down, a huge part to this offensive line, and going up against a defensive end, a game wrecker like Miles Garrett, you're going to have to send tight end help all day and all night to help protect against Miles Garrett and the pass rush from the Cleveland Browns. This was my nightmare scenario, my biggest concern. You guys go back and listen to our season preview. This is nightmare scenario stuff for me. Like losing Costanzo and losing him before we probably play the best defensive end we're going to play all year, that's, that's a nightmare scenario for me. It's going to be a major, major problem in this game. Because they're going to move him all over the field. Yeah, he's going to go against LaRaven. But whenever they double him, because they're going to double him with a tight end and probably chip with a back, 
they're going to move him over to the other side and rush against uh, Braden Smith, who is not nearly as good against speed. He's just not. He's a solid tackle, but he's not great against speed. So this is a nightmare scenario for me. This is what I talked about all offseason, why I begged Ballard to draft a tackle, why I begged him to go out and sign like a proven guy that you know can come in and do the job. But he, he has the utmost confidence in Raven Clark. So we're going to find out how great Chris Ballard is. Because, I, I mean, I think Raven Clark is going to get worked on Sunday. I don't see any way around it. They're going to have to – I mean, Cox is going to have to be in there blocking all game, which is going to hurt which is going to hurt their offense. And so, you know, Cox, Doyle, those two guys are going to have to be over there or be wherever Miles Garrett is all game long. That This guy is a premier player in this league. He will 100% wreck this game if we don't take care of him. And that is my biggest concern – as we've mentioned in past shows, because our quarterback cannot move. So this game is really going to come down to, can our offense block Miles Garrett? Can they block Sheldon Richardson? Because they do have some talent on this defense. Sheldon Richardson's been playing well. B.J. Goodson, their inside linebacker, has been playing well. Denzel Ward's been solid. Carl Joseph at safety's been solid. And then recently they've gotten back Olivier Vern, their other defensive end. That it's kind of the, they, their other defensive end that they pair with Miles Garrett. That's going to be the matchup. The two matchups of this game are those two defensive ends against our tackles. And how we handle that is going to determine this game. These offenses are very similar in the sense that they both want to run the ball, and the defenses want that in this game are going to want to put the ball in the quarterback's hand and make them beat them. So it's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. But as far as defensive talent goes with with the Browns, I mean, they have some, but the bottom line is we've got to figure out a way to scheme Miles Garrett out of this game and not let him wreck it. Because I'll tell you right now, if he's getting to Rivers, there's going to be a fumble in this game. He will fumble the ball because the pressure is going to be relentless from him. Because he knows he's going, I mean, the blood's in the water. He's going against a backup who hasn't seen the field. There's no preseason, so he hasn't played. I mean, I don't know. And he played at the end of the Bears game, but I, I can't I can't imagine going into a game and that's the first guy you go against, premier guy in the league. So it, it's just a bad, bad, bad matchup for the Colts as far as that goes. Now let's get into the keys to the game now for the Colts offense. Key number one. No turnovers. We've done a great job the last few weeks holding on to the football. We've gone 11 quarters without a turnover, and all three of our turnovers have come off Phillip Rivers' interceptions. And they all came in the first five quarters of the season. So we've gone 11 quarters without turning over the football. That's great. It would be great to go another four and end this game with a 15-quarter consecutive streak without turning over the ball. And a lot of that's going to stem because we haven't, fumbled or lost a fumble yet this season which is great knock on wood it doesn't happen but like you said Jason if you can't contain Miles Garrett there most likely will be a fumble in this game so you have to hold on to the football no turnovers let's make it 15 straight quarters absolutely and I've watched a couple of the Browns games and and particularly the Redskin game and the Dallas game they feed off turnovers they they the Redskins turn the ball over I think six times Dallas turned it over a few times. This team 100% feeds off turnovers, and they turn them into points. So, Phillip Rivers, if the play isn't there, throw it away. 
don't try to force it because if you turn the ball over against this team, they will turn it into points very quickly. That's what they do. That's how they've blown some teams out. That's how they blow out the Redskins. That's how they got out you know, to a 41-14 to lead against Dallas. You cannot turn the ball over against this team. Whatever they have to do to secure the ball and secure possession is what they need to do because plus minus is the biggest, you know, probably the biggest indicator of winning a game. This is a game where I'm so scared that we're going to have a million turnovers just because of the situation that we're in. So for me, the biggest key of this game for the Colts to have any chance to win is not turning the football over, period. Key number two, when big plays are there, you got to hit them. We've left big plays on the field, whether it be a big hole that Jonathan Taylor didn't see or a bomb to T.Y. that was dropped in the end zone. When the big plays are there, when the defense gives you a big play, you got to connect, you got to hit on a big play in this game. A thousand percent. The Colts have had at least one in every game where they could have had a long touchdown and either Rivers overthrew it, underthrew it, somebody dropped it. They have to have when, – when, when they get the op- opportunity, and I believe they will in this game because the Browns are susceptible to big plays, uh, and especially in the passing game, they absolutely cannot miss. They can't drop passes. They can't miss big plays. When they're there, and I'm telling you, they're going to be there, they have to hit them if they want to win this game. And key number three, touchdowns in the red zone. This is a great example of knowing your opponent. Last week, it was points in the red zone, field goals in the red zone. Just come away with points because last week they were at a premium. You could win a game only scoring 16 points, 19 points as we did. This week, it's going to be a little bit different. It's not a shot at the defense. I have great confidence in the defense, but this could be a game where you need 28, 32, 35 to win. So if you're in the red zone, you don't want to be settling for field goals, and you definitely don't like key number one, want to be turning over the football at any point anywhere on the field. And when you get into the red zone, you really want to come away with seven more times than not in this game. Yeah, the Colts have have really, one of the things they've really struggled with offensively in the first four games is turning red zone possessions into touchdowns. And they, they got four field goals last week when they were in the red zone and, and one touchdown. If they, they get in there five times this week and, and do the same thing this week, that they will not win this game. They've got to make sure that when they get those opportunities, they take advantage of them. They've had a ton of opportunities early in the season and just haven't gotten, gotten it done, point blank. So they've got to get it done this week. When they get in the red zone, they got to put up they got to put up six. I mean – if not every time, almost every time, and, and to be in this game. Because Cleveland's going to score points. They're, they're a good offense. They've got great talent. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to, if people are expecting a Colts defense to hold them to six points or something like that, don't hold your breath because this is a really talented team with a good offensive line and great skill players. So the Colts, when they get in the red zone, they got to get touchdowns. Reich has to be a lot more creative than he's been in the red zone this week. Maybe he's been vanilla because of, you know, games like this. I'm hoping that's what it is. But we got to find a way, man. We get inside that 20-yard line to score touchdowns. Not get penalties. Not get self-inflicted wounds. You know, make sure we make the plays and get in the end zone because that's the only way we're going to win this game. Yeah, listen to this stat, Jason. The Browns scored 49 points last week. The Colts have allowed 48 points 
through the first four weeks. So that's the type of matchup we are in for. And it's one of those games you don't know. It could be a low-scoring game. It could be a high-scoring game because you have two teams that have played two totally different styles of football. And it'll be interesting to see what the game takes. Right now we're saying touchdowns in the red zone are going to be vital and all this stuff. But it's one of those games. Like last week, we pretty much knew exactly what the game would be. We knew it would be a low-scoring game. We knew points would be at a premium. We knew if you got into the red zone, you kick field goals, it would be enough to win the game. This week, it's weird. And, yes, the Browns, and we've complimented the Browns' offense, and they've been phenomenal, and they scored 30-plus now in three straight games. But they also were held to only six points in week one against the Ravens. Now, I feel like they found their mojo week one, like the Colts week one. You kind of have to throw it out because there was no preseason. It was a very weird offseason. And then in the Browns case, they have a brand new coach, a brand new coaching staff. So they had a ton of new stuff implemented. So I think they are more of the team we saw the last three weeks than the team we saw week one. Plus, you're going up against a great Ravens team and a great Ravens defense in week one. But the point is you don't really know what you're going to get from this game. And it's not like the Colts have just been shutting down bad offenses. You go back to that Vikings game, the Vikings have scored 30-plus in all three games they didn't play against the Colts. So kind of like the Browns, the Browns have 30-plus their last three games. You look at the Vikings, week one they scored 34 points, week three they scored 30 points, and week four they scored 31 points. So that's a team that in the three games where they don't play against the Colts, they've scored 30-plus. So this Colts team, in my opinion, is able to shut down higher-powered offenses. And people could say whatever they want about Kirk Cousins. I think, personally, I think Kirk Cousins is better than Baker Mayfield. Now, he might not have Mayfield, might have better weapons, but it's not like the Colts have just shut down bad offense after bad offense. That Vikings team scored 30-plus in every game this season, each and every game this season, except when they played against the Colts. Now, the Colts will be without Darius Leonard this week, which will hurt them defensively, of course, and we did a good job in the second half last week. But going into a game, it's going to be tough. And hopefully Walker plays. If Walker doesn't play, it's going to be very difficult for this Colts linebacking core and this Colts defense. But it's not like the Colts have just shut down all these bad offenses that can't score against anybody. We went up against a Vikings team that was unable to move the ball against us. And we held them to pretty much three points for a majority of that game. And then they score a cheap touchdown late against a prevent defense and get the two-point conversion. We hold them to 11 points. But they have 34-11 30 and 31 one of those games is not like the other yeah i mean the defense has been great i i I would totally agree with that assessment as far as the offenses that we played in the minnesota offense is really i mean they've got dalvin cook who's playing well justin jefferson is just going crazy he didn't do much in our game our our secondary shut him down so your point's well taken but i still believe by far this is the best most potent offense that, that they've played so far for the colts and i think that this is going to be a great test because the Colts don't have their biggest playmaker on defense in Darius Leonard. Bobby Okereke's basically going to play with a club on his hand, so that's, that's, going to, that's going to hurt him and his effectiveness. And Anthony Walker struggled with an injury. I think he will play, but he will not be 100%. And then you throw in T.J. Carey, who's not going to play, and you've got a major problem if they go three wide receivers. I just think they're going to scheme up ways to, to get the Colts' fifth corner on the field, fourth corner on the field. It's going to be a test. I, I don't see any way that they hold the Browns under what, you know, what they've been giving up, which I think is like 11 points or 14 points, something like that. 
I think, obviously, I think the Browns are going to score in the 20s at minimum. So the Colts are definitely going to have to, to really hunker down on offense and get it going this week. Phillip Rivers got to play his best game, point blank. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, as far as the as far, as far as the red zone goes, we just have got to find a way to make, you know, make it in the end zone. That's, that's I mean, that's huge in this game. Yep. No, I totally agree. I think this will be the biggest test for the Colts. Defense plus you have major injuries both offensively and defensively with Costanzo and Leonard. I mean, you could say arguably those are two of the top three, top five injuries on this roster. And I think the drop-off from Costanzo to Clark is the largest on this roster. If you were to lose Buckner, you probably slide over Autry and you make it work there. You look at a loss of Leonard, you're still going to have Okariki. As long as Okariki and Walker play, the drop-off there, and you're losing an all-pro in both of those scenarios, I don't think it's as bad. You lose Kenny Moore, you have the rookie in Isaiah Rogers. You just go down the line. Even if you lose Phillip Rivers, you bring in Jacoby, and with the defense clicking like this, if the offensive line's clicking, if we're able to run the football a little bit, you still have a quarterback who you were able to start off five and two with last year now we started off five and two with a plus minus of seven right now we have a plus minus of 47 so it's a pretty big difference but the point is you could get the job done and Rivers up until this point has been more of a game manager for the Colts this season which means the games can be won like you go back I think a lot of these games can be won with Jacoby because the defense has been so freaking good up until this point so you look at this injury scenario with Costanzo as we get into our predictions now, it's a devastating blow because it's the biggest drop-off in talent and importance on this roster. So let's get into it now, Jason. We'll get into the predictions. I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick Cleveland. They're playing really well. We're beat up. Uh, I just think the Miles Garrett-LaRaven-Clark matchup is a nightmare. It's going to affect our offense, even if we're able to somehow shut him down. We're either going to have to play Penter next to him or always have a tight end, and that takes away another offensive weapon. So I, I think the injuries combined with who we're playing, I just I, – and I think the defense is going to play well enough to win. I, I just think the offense is going to turn the ball over. Reich has absolutely got to call a much better game this week. He was – I thought he was – he's been okay this year, but the second down runs to the A-gap with Naheem Hines – that's got to be thrown out, man. They, they can't run that 10 times a game. It's, it drives me insane. It's such an uncreative play, and it sets us back most of the time. I, and people are talking about how bad our running game is. That play itself is probably half the reason because we're, we've been so non-creative in our running game. It's literally been a shotgun handoff to Naheem Hines or Jonathan Taylor into the A-gap, and that's been like the, the running play we've run most. This game – we have got to get creative, pull Nelson, do different things, even roll out rivers, do anything, just do something creative. We've got to get creative on offense and start to open up the playbook. It can't be this vanilla crap we ran last week in this game. I want to see Wright call a good game and bounce back. He's had some real, real stinkers this year so far, last week being one of them. But as far as I'm concerned, it's just too much of a mountain to climb with, with Costanzo being out. It was my nightmare scenario at the beginning of the year, and this is the nightmare game that I wouldn't want it to happen at. And so I'm going to pick Cleveland. I'm going to take them by four. I think they do just enough to beat us. I think the defense will play well enough to win, but I just 
I think our offense is going to struggle again, and I just think Cleveland's going to be able to score enough points to win the game. Yeah, well, I feel better about the game now that you took the Browns, but I unfortunately also have to double down with you. I got to take the Browns. I'm shocked the Colts are favorites right now. We'll see how much that line moves now that the news is confirmed that Costanzo and Leonard won't play. And I've just kind of noticed that Vegas doesn't move the line for tackles the way they should. I mean, left tackles are premier top two, three, four positions on rosters. When a quarterback misses, it moves the line. Like we saw Cam Newton move the line Monday night in that Chief game by, I think, four and a half, five, maybe six points. And then you lose a left tackle, who's the second most important player on the offense, and it doesn't even move the line. And the Colts are going up against a red-hot Browns team as road favorites. We're losing maybe our best player on defense and our most valuable player, period, in Costanzo in terms of drop-off of town. So I'm shocked the Colts are favorites. We'll see if that line moves at some point tonight. I think Leonard's going to move in more than Costanzo, but in my opinion, Costanzo should move in more than Leonard, especially when you look at who the backups are at those spots. So yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to take the Browns in this game. Hope I'm wrong like you hope every week, Jason. I know you really thought the Jets had a chance there in week, what was that, three, but <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope you are wrong, and I hope I am wrong this week, but I'm taking the Cleveland Browns. And this is no reverse jinx pick. I just I don't feel great about it because of the injury situation to Costanzo and Leonard. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if the Colts win this game. The Colts are playing great football. You have two teams, both playing great football, both on three-game winning streaks. So I think the Colts could definitely come out on top in this game. I don't think we're going to get blown out by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's going to be a tight game. I just give the edge to the Browns. I just think the injuries are going to be a little bit too much for the Colts to overcome this week. It's on the road. If it was an Indy, my opinion would change too. And I just I can't take the Colts with the matchup of Miles Garrett and LaRaven Clark. If Miles Garrett wasn't playing and LaRaven Clark was blocking anybody else on that Browns defense, I would take the Colts. But the fact that you are playing probably the best edge rusher we see this season. And yes, we're going to have Mo Alley help out. And we're going to have Doyle help out. And we're probably going to have Pinter play tight end a little bit in this game. And chip and, and follow Garrett maybe side to side. Put him in motion if he's rushing on Braden Smith. And we're, we're going to do everything in our power to contain Garrett in this game, but I think he's going to be the game wrecker. I think he'll ultimately be the player of this game, and I think the Colts come out on the losing end. And I don't think they're going to score a ton of points, maybe something like 31-28, or the Colts probably don't score four touchdowns without kicking a couple field goals. But I think it'll be in that ballpark, maybe high 20s for both teams, and the Colts come out on the losing end. Hopefully I'm wrong. Like I said, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully you're wrong, and the Colts find a way to win this game. This will be a huge coaching game because you're going to have Ibraflus scheming without one of his best players, and you're going to have Reich and Sirianni scheming without arguably their most important player on that side of the ball. So this is going to be a big test for the Colts, and it's going to be a big what we got on the coaching staff game because we've gone through injury after injury and we've like we look at the loss of Malik Hooker, we upgrade at the position with Julian Blackman. You lose Marlon Mack, there's a drop off 
to Jonathan Taylor, and I think that drop-off is clearer than a lot of people thought it would be because I think, A, Marlon Mack is underrated, and, B, there was a little bit too much hype for Jonathan Taylor coming into the year, but it's manageable. You have Taylor, you have Hines. They're using Hines incorrectly, but they have Hines. They have Wilkins. It's a manageable drop-off. The drop-off from Leonard to Walker Okariki is a manageable drop-off. But then that offensive line... You look at the drop-off from Costanzo to Clark, and that's really where I make my pick in this game. But Jason, again, and I know I said it 50,000 times, and people are going to be like, shut up. I hope we're wrong. I hope the Colts find a way to win this game. And I don't think it's impossible. I think everything is on the table as we head into Cleveland for this Week 5 matchup. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is going to – I mean, I definitely think the Colts are going to have a chance to win. I don't think this is a blowout either way. But I just like you, I just look at that matchup and I just don't see how it doesn't negatively affect the Colts. Even if we somehow get him blocked and he doesn't wreck the game, you're at best going to have to, you know, you know, or at worst, you're going to have to put a tight end over there, which is going to take another receiving threat away from our offense. So I just, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be a close game and I, I do believe. We can win it. I don't think this is a game where I, I feel like it's an insurmountable – we have no chance because I don't think Baker Mayfield is great. So if nah. we can stop the run and make him beat us, that – I mean, it's going to take some doing for him. He's not a great player by any stretch. He's not what everyone thought he was going to be coming into to the NFL. We're well, not everyone because we weren't super nah, sold never on him. Liked but, but uh, I mean, for me, like, I just think – the Browns' offensive line is going to be the best the Colts have seen. Kareem Hunt is a really talented player. I just I think the advantage is for the to the Browns, and I so I give them the advantage. But by no means to anyone listening am I saying the Colts don't have a great chance to win this game because they do. They have players everywhere. Even with the injuries, they still have a ton of talent, and they have a great defense. And on top of that, they've got a great defensive coordinator, in my opinion. A lot of people disagree with that, but in my opinion, I think Matt Eberflus is a great defensive coordinator who is going to be a head coach in, in a very short amount of time, in my opinion. So the Colts have things going for them. I just think the Browns have a little more going for them this week. Yep, and that does it for our Week 5 game preview. Colts at Browns is a 425 game, our third consecutive game at 4 o'clock or later, which is Weird. We have that 405 against the Jets. Then we have back-to-back 425. So very, very strange to be playing that many 4 o'clock games in the Midwest or East Coast because we haven't even been on the West Coast. Like, you play Seattle, you play San Fran. It makes sense. Okay, a 4 o'clock, 425 game. But to be playing these games in Indy, Chicago, and Cleveland at 4 o'clock is very, very strange. Three consecutive weeks. But a 425 game... Cleveland Browns, two 3-1 teams, two teams on three-game winning streaks. And I'm still excited. Still a Colts game, even though we're picking against them. And hopefully they prove us wrong. Hopefully they go out. Hopefully they find a way to contain and stop Miles Garrett in this game. The offense can move the ball, the offense, which they have been doing. They just haven't been scoring touchdowns. Hopefully in this game we find a way to score a couple touchdowns. And at the end of the day, The Cleveland Browns are still the Cleveland Browns. Winning four straight games is unheard of in Cleveland. So hopefully that plays into it a little bit. And the Cleveland curse, that jinx they play with, 
each and every year shows up and prevents them from winning a fourth straight game because if you're a Browns fan, you're not used. Like, this is uncharted territory. Three straight wins going on four straight, so that would be... That'd be uncharted territory for the Browns. So we'll be back on Sunday night. It'll probably be a late upload with the 425 kickoff. We'll be back right here on the For the Culture podcast to wrap it all up in the game recap. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, and this is the For the Culture podcast.